Coming up, I've got a bunch of clips to play you. Dr. Fauci defending China. Of course, they're covering up the origins of the COVID virus, but that's Trump's fault. We'll play you that clip. The former head of security for Twitter, he admits that it was a mistake to censor the Hunter Biden laptop scandal. Well, thank you very much. Two years after you rigged the election, now you admit that it was a a mistake. You got to love it. And oh, by the way, he's passing the buck and we'll play you the clip. He's saying that it wasn't his decision. And the one of the heads, the White House, a top White House medical official, the White House COVID czar, he says, well, sure, there's a shortage in antibiotics. Yeah, listen, we don't have enough antibiotics. There are a shortage of other very, very crucial drugs. But we have plenty of COVID vaccines. I mean, you cannot make this stuff up. We will play you that clip. But obviously, we've got to begin with Trump, with Kanye West, with Nick Fuentes. And look, I was hoping to start with something a lot lighter, but this is obviously the big topic of the week here. Uh, look, the, and everybody wants to know, you know, what do you, was, was it a mistake? Did Trump didn't know who Nick Fuentes was. You know, uh, is it really so bad? Did Trump throw the Jews under the bus here? I want to be very clear, and I've always been very clear about this. I will condemn, when it's time to condemn Trump, I'll condemn Trump. And it doesn't mean that I don't support him. It doesn't mean that I don't want him to be a president. But if if the behavior is egregious and disgraceful and indefensible, then we have to call him out. And obviously the Jews and obviously our community, obviously Yiddishkeit and our fellow Yiddin and our fellow Jews, that comes way before any kind of politics, any kind of politician. I don't care who the politician is. Now, that doesn't mean here's the problem. The problem is people then they throw the baby out with the bathwater and it's like, oh, no. But what do you mean? All the good things that Trump did. He's been such a friend of the Jews. He's been so close to the Yiddin. That doesn't negate. It doesn't negate that. And he may still be. Now, if you want to say to me, well, listen, would it make sense next time? Should we support Governor DeSantis, should we support a different candidate, you know, who, who's, who, who has not met with vicious anti-Semites and with and with neo-Nazis? And, and I don't buy this, you know, well, uh, well I, he didn't know that who Nick Fuentes was. I'm, maybe he didn't know who Nick Fuentes was. I'm not saying that he knew. Some people say, of course, he knew who Nick. How many people know who Nick Fuentes is? How many people in America have heard of Nick Fuentes? Why does everyone assume Trump watches Fox News? Nick Fuentes is not on Fox News all too often. OK, Trump does not. He's not sitting there like reading like 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 these obscure blogs. OK, so I have no problem believing that he did not. Maybe he did know Fuentes. Maybe he didn't. That's not the issue. The issue is Kanye West is coming to dinner. He's bringing a friend. Okay, Kanye West has been spouting all sorts of vicious, venomous anti-Semitism. I mean, really, then, of course, this week after the meeting with Trump, he went on Alec Jones and talking about, you know, how, how much he admires Hitler. But he made those comments before. These are not new comments. The comments, everyone's all up in arms. How Kanye goes. And by the way, we've got to ignore Kanye West. My issue is not Kanye West. Kanye West is a, has a severe mental illness and he's a sociopath. The issue is that there's like millions of people who are following him him, influenced by him, and how many of them agree with him? I don't know. I'm frightened. I don't even want to know. I'm terrified to find out. So my concern is not Kanye. My concern is what Kanye represents. But he's coming to dinner. He's bringing a friend. You think he's bringing a rub? You, you, like you think he's bringing Bibi Netanyahu? Who do you think Kanye is bringing as a friend? So it's a very lame excuse, the excuse that, listen, I didn't know who Nick Fuentes, how was I supposed to know? You know who Conway, Kanye is. You know what Kanye stands for and all of his beliefs. So it's indefensible. Now, and, and, and you want to say, well, listen, Trump, there are so many negatives at this point. There's a lot of positive, but do the positive outweigh the negatives? We can have that debate. That's fine. But I'm not going to defend the behavior. And listen, if Trump runs for president, you want to say to me, if Trump runs for president in 2024, if he's the Republican nominee, do you still choose Trump over anybody on the Democrats? Of course I choose Trump. I mean, you think Biden's any better? You don't think Biden? I mean, but Biden, has he ever condemned Elon Omar? Has have any of these Democrats? You name it. Amy Klobuchar. 
Pete Buttigieg, who's a, who's a, who would be a disaster as a president. He's a disaster as a transportation secretary. He was a disaster as a mayor in in, in Indiana or wherever he was. You, you, you think I'm voting for Pete Buttigieg over Trump or I'm staying home? You think I want to let Pete Buttigieg destroy the country because Trump once decided to have dinner with a vicious anti-Semitism? It makes no sense. It's irrational. Of course we choose Trump. So we have to isolate this. We have to condemn this. Does that make you happy? I condemn it. I condemn Trump. I have a very simple litmus test, as everybody knows. What if Obama did it? What if Biden did it? What if Obama met? And he did. And we called him out. Obama has associated with Louis Farrakhan. OK, he's, he's associated with with with, with Jesse Jackson, other anti-Semites. OK, Jeremiah Wright. OK, and what do we do? We call Obama out. But suddenly when it's the Republican, you know, someone on our side, then we cannot separate the two. And we say, well, but that's OK. That that I can defend. I, that's inconsistent. And you know me. I try very hard to be intellectually honest. So that's my litmus test. So I'm so I'm 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 condemning Trump. But to then go and say. Oh, well, Trump is toxic. Oh, well, obviously Trump doesn't like Jews. Obviously Trump's an anti-Semite. Trump's not an anti-Semite. Trump, he, 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 he's the most supportive, uh, he was the most supportive president of Jews and of Israel and, 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 than, than any other president in past history. Okay? This does not change. This is my problem is that people think, well, you can't, those two things cannot coexist. How can you tell me that Trump is such a close friend of the Jews, but he's meeting with Kanye? The answer is very simple because this is what politicians do. They all do it. We have to be very clear. The, the hypocrites here are the people on the left or the media. Because when when Trump does this or when conservatives are anti-Semitic, they, they, they jump on it and they, they tell you, how look how terrible these anti-Semites are. But all these minorities, when, when you have Elon Omar and you have all these minorities on the left and all these people on the left who are causing tremendous violence, to me, they're much more dangerous. The left's anti-Semitism is much more uh, – it's hard, it's hard to compare. I don't, I'm, I'm afraid to say it. Both both sides are very dangerous. But uh, the left is equally dangerous, and somehow the media and the Democrats, they don't care as long as the anti-Semite is a Democrat. But like we're the, but like we're the hypocrites somehow. So that makes absolutely no sense. But I, but I need to be very clear. And this is from Hashkafa. I almost never bring this kind of thing in, but I need to. Because Chazal told us in their infinite wisdom, Chazal told us politicians only care about themselves and they will throw the Jews under the bus in a heartbeat. And that's on, that's all of them, by the way. That's Republicans, Democrats. Don't kid yourself. Ron DeSantis. No, not DeSantis. You know, what, what other conservatives? Mike Pence. No, Mike Pence would never throw the Jews under the bus. Mike Pompeo, Nikki Haley. I have bad news for you. We've got to look at the, what they, their policies. We've got to look at their actions. Don't believe in them. Don't believe in them. Because, yes, they'd all throw the Jews under the bus if it benefited them. It happens to be. Most Republicans, it benefits them to support the Jews, happens to be. So it works out well, including Trump. Trump just – he got flattered by Kanye. People don't understand Trump. I love it how after all these years, people still don't understand Trump. He's, he doesn't condemn people because of their views. He'll, he'll, he will embrace them on the right or on the left even, even on the left. If they, you know, uh, cozy up to him and if they praise him and if they flatter him, that's Trump. So people don't understand. Well, how could he? How could he not condemn? He just doesn't do that. That's just not he's it's all about flattering his ego. But Chazal and Pirkei Avos, as we probably know, Perek Bays, right? Mishnah Gimel, And I read this Mishnah and it's like, wow, in its infinite wisdom. Be careful. Be careful. When you're, when, when, when you're working with politicians and you're working with leaders, be careful because the only makar of people ain't makarvin layla adam atman. If, if you think, if you think that they like you, if they think, if you think they're bringing you close, if you think that they're, you know, treating you well, it's only because it benefits them. The moment, if you would say to Nikki Haley, listen, 
Uh, you can win. You can become the president. But the only way to become the president is you have to cozy up with neo-Nazis. OK, she's going to say, well, I'm giving up the presidency. She'll come up with eight million ways to justify it. Look, you tell me, no, I, I don't believe it. She wouldn't. I don't know. But th- I'm just telling you the words of Hazal right here. So, yes, I defend. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry. I condemn Trump. I don't defend Trump. No, to me, it, this is not a showstopper. This does not mean that suddenly we abandon Trump because all the politicians would do this. We just have to call it out. We have to condemn it. It's scary. you know. And, and would I support a different candidate over Trump in the primaries? Let's wait and see. I usually don't pick sides. I'll take any of them over Biden or Buttigieg or Kamala Harris, you know, or, or, or the whack job, you know, Beto O'Rourke. So I don't know. But if the question is, am I going to support Trump if he is the ultimate nominee? Of course I will. This does not change that in any way. And just people have to, and I want to get to other things here, but people have to realize that Trump is unhinged. You know, people still get surprised by things he does. It, it, like it, To me, it reminds me of like somebody, I'll see people bring a three-year-old to shul. And then the three-year-old comes to shul. And what does the three-year-old do? They do what three-year-olds are supposed to do. They, they start making a ruckus. They start, look, you know, they, they make noise and they start looking around, poking everything. And then the father's sitting there chasing the kid and shushing the kid and acting surprised. I'm not saying don't bring your three-year-old to shul. That's, you know, obviously above my pay grade. But what I'm saying is if you bring him to shul, you cannot then be surprised when he does what three-year-olds do. And then you're going to shush him and you're going to chase him and you're going to condemn him, reprimand him like you brought him to do exactly what he's doing. This is what he's supposed to do. He's like doing his job. And now you're sending him a message. Well, don't do it. Like, hello, like shush, you know, like you're not supposed to be doing. Well, he is supposed to be doing it. So you say, well, what are you supposed to do? I don't know. I'm not telling you what to do. What I'm telling you is don't act shocked and say, I can't believe this three year old is making a rocket. Of course, he's making a rocket. I see it. Like I see people do this and I laugh to myself, you know, like, why are you surprised? So, so yeah, Trump, Trump, he's, that, that's how he is. He does the shocking thing. So, like, I'm not shocked. I'm not. That doesn't mean that I'm defending him. It doesn't mean I'm condoning it. But people act all shocked. Like, almost nothing that he could do would shock me at this point. But also, he never renounces anybody. He When, when he mocks people, right, and Sleepy Joe and Lion Ted and all of that, it's only people he has a personal gripe with. But is he ever going to go and say somebody, especially somebody who's flattering him or speaks highly of him or is friendly with him, if he's going to go and say, well, listen, your views are – and I'm not condemning – I'm not condoning this either – we should speak out. You know, if a friend of mine spewed vicious anti-Semitism, I'd like to believe that I would speak out against them. But that's just not, not how Trump operates. He never has. So I'm just not going to sit there expecting him to do it. So, and, and by the way, Trump is not a racist. Trump is not an anti-Semite. He's not a neo-Nazi. I, I want to be clear about that. But he still, you know, he has a problem. He doesn't want to alienate them. There are many. I have news for you folks. There are many Trump supporters uh, you know, on the right who are white supremacists. I don't know how many, but, you know, Trump doesn't want to alienate them. Now, that's very, very disturbing to me. But uh, like, I don't I just don't know what to do about it. Like, in other words, yeah, I, and I condemn Trump. I'm not even not condemning Trump, but I, I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. And as I said, the people on the left, they're the hypocrites because somehow the only anti-Semites they care about are the anti-Semites who disagree with them. All right. We got to get to other stuff here. Dr. Fauci actually said, and, and Dr. Fauci, thankfully, is retiring. He's on his way out. He's done. He says it's Trump's fault that China refuses to cooperate with the investigation into the origins of COVID. Listen to this clip. What happens is that if you look at the anti-China approach that clearly the Trump administration had right from the very beginning and the accusatory nature, the Chinese are going to flinch back and say, no, I'm sorry, we're not going to talk mm-hmm. to you about it, which is not correct. But they they're not talking be. to the Biden administration about it either. Exactly. I think that horse is out of the barn and they're very suspicious of anybody trying to accuse them. We need to have an open dialogue with their scientists and our scientists. Keep the politics out of it. 
and let the scientists, because these are scientists that we've known for decades. Mm-hmm. And- do you believe this man? I mean, do you be- I don't know what to even say. There are no words like uh, he's, he's not, uh, you know, I don't know if he believes it, if he's completely delusional, uh, you know, uh, but, but uh, it, he says that we start with an accusatory tone. Like we, we start with a suspicion against China. We're anti-China. The anti- that's it, the anti-China rhetoric. China killed millions of people. Okay. China, do you know what they do to their own people? I mean, do you know, they, they lie. And, and, and I have to say this, a listener, but it's, it's beyond belief that Fauci goes and says, well, of course, Trump took an anti-China tone as though like China would be uh, cooperating with us right now and inviting us into the lab to determine you know whether or not it leaked out of a lab or whether or not they, they intentionally uh, released, released this virus or who knows what. But China, they're as evil as they come. Evil is not the word. They torture dissidents. They torture kids. They, 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 they allow they, – they, they lock people in their homes with COVID and let them die. They, they, not just some people, thousands of people. Let them die with COVID in order to lock them down. And they're still using COVID, which is not killing people anymore, at least not, you know, not, not, not healthy people. And, and they're still using it as an excuse to lock people in buildings and to lock people in their homes years later. And, and, and that's aside from all the other torture that they've done over all the years. And they suppress. They do all, all sorts of things. I mean the, the, the Chinese government, the communist government, is as evil as it gets. And, oh, well, Trump antagonized China. Trump was anti-China. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's unbelievable. You know, a caller uh, left me a voicemail a few days ago. You know, I was talking about the fact that uh, Biden did not bring up COVID with President Xi. And the caller says, yeah, but you know what? You can't really blame China because nobody knew in the beginning what COVID was all about. So the fact that China didn't lock down and didn't prevent people from leaving their country, that's not true. I just want to point out the facts are, are, are contradict that. I appreciate the caller reaching out. But you have to remember the dates, you know, the, the, the COVID didn't hit the United States until March. OK, the dates, if you just look at the timeline back in January of 2020, in January of 2020, you had China already locking down Wuhan. They basically locked down the entire city or province of Wuhan or whatever it is. They locked it down back in, in January of 2020. But COVID doesn't get to America until March. OK, so the Chinese knew very well there were people in China basically dying in the streets Back in January of 2020, they got hit very hard and they knew it was extremely contagious. Senator, I think Tom Cotton, one senator said he realized early on, you know, what, how, how bad this virus was before anybody had Fauci saying, no problem. You know, you don't have to restrict travel in February. Fauci saying that in early March, I think Fauci was basically saying that totally missing the boat. But you had a senator looked at China and said, wait a second. I mean, they're literally locking people in their own homes. So that not not to spread this thing and they're locking people in the city and not letting them leave the city. And so so China knew exactly. And at that point, they still were allowing people from China to leave and come to the United States and spread it into the United States. So uh, that's just totally wrong. But I mean, the fact that Fauci could be saying this, you know, could be somehow saying it's Trump's fault that China won't cooperate. It's egregious. And here's my question. And I'm switching topics over here. Now that everybody admits, we'll play you a clip in a moment of the head of Twitter security, Yoel Roth, who says that it was a mistake. It was a mistake. Now he realizes, and it wasn't him, by the way, but it was a mistake to censor the biggest scandal, perhaps in presidential election history, and to rig the election. He, he admits that was a mistake. And it wasn't a mistake. It was collusion, as we're going to get to. But now that everybody admits the Hunter Biden laptop was authentic, and even the New York Times, Facebook, Zuckerberg, they all admit that it was authentic, right? Two years after the fact. And we know the media colluded to bury the scandal and colluded with the FBI. Zuckerberg says the FBI called him. Twitter says the FBI called them. The FBI called these places and said, listen, there's a lot of Russian disinformation. And Zuckerberg said it was understood that they were talking about the Hunter Biden laptop. So we know there was literally a collusion conspiracy by the mainstream media to suppress very a very, very bad scandal, right? 
And that was at the time a conspiracy theory. Remember, it was Russian disinformation. Biden said it in a debate. So when do we get to now realize, wait a second, all the other conspiracy theorists are not conspiracy theorists after all. So here, let me just start with, let me play you this clip of Yoel Roth saying that it was a mistake. Do you remember the uncertainty of the of the whole story? We didn't know what to believe. We didn't know what was true. There was, there was smoke. And ultimately for me, uh, it didn't reach a place where I was comfortable removing this content from Twitter. But it set off every single one of my finely tuned APT28 hack and leak campaign alarm right, bells. So it looked possibly probably. It, everything about it looked you like a hack not, and leak and smelled like a hack and leak. You did not like want to do that. Leak, but it didn't get there for me. When you feel a responsibility to protect the integrity of the conversations on a platform from foreign governments expending their resources to interfere in an election, um, there were lots of reasons why the entire industry was on alert and was nervous. But a mistake. And again, for me, even with all of those factors, it didn't get there for me. But so it was a mistake. In my opinion, yes. So he's basically sitting there rambling, hemming and hawing, you know, well, it didn't reach my this and it didn't reach my that and saying all sorts of technical nonsense like, uh, hello, you suppressed a scandal. There was no evidence whatsoever to suggest that it was the Russians, but his antenna, his antenna were going off. But then my question is, so why is it that all these other conspiracy theories now, why don't we question all of those and say, you know what? Once, like, one of the biggest conspiracy theories ever, oh, wow, the Hunter Biden laptop, that's Russian disinformation. Once we see the media colluded to cover that up, so all these other stories, like, that they're making fun of us, uh, you know, we're questioning the facts. They're they're basically telling us that we're crazy for questioning, hey, wait a second, maybe this is fake news and maybe the media is colluding. Like, if you question the 2020 election, you're an election denier. If you question climate change, you're a science denier. If you question the vaccine, then you're an anti-vaxxer. Uh, you know, so, but, and by the way, the vaccine is way less effective than anybody said it would be. Masks are not effective. School closures, uh, it seems according to the data, school closures did nothing. All, all it did was damage the kids a lot. So, like, we've been right on so many issues and all these things are like conspiracy theories. But, like, when it actually gets proven that, hey, the media colluded to, to bury a, a, a very, very incredibly damaging story to Joe Biden and rig, thus they rigged the election. And now we know they're admitting it. Oh, it's a mistake. Nobody's paying for it, of course. Nobody's actually, you know, suffering the consequences. But we were the crazy ones. When it came to Hunter Laptop, we were the crazy ones. So why are we not the crazy ones? Well, you know, wh- wh- why are we still the crazy ones, I should say, when it comes to all these other things that we're questioning? Like, I mean, like at this point, I don't even know. I question whether... Whether the sky is blue. By the way, Yoel, this is a bombshell, this clip. I should point out, Yoel Roth, he's the former head of security of Twitter. You know when he stepped down? He resigned like about three weeks ago after Elon Musk took over basically in protest, okay? So Yoel Roth is like he, – he, he's a radical leftist, okay? He, he's woke. He's, he's literally one of these woke radical leftists who was in charge of Twitter for all these years. And he admits that it was a mistake. And then, you know, later in that clip, he basically says, uh, but it wasn't me. It wasn't like uh, that wasn't my decision. That was somebody else's decision. Wonderful. Jack Dorsey of Twitter, he admitted that it was a mistake. I love all these people. It's a mistake. You do something horrible, horrible. You rig the election. You bury this massive scandal about a presidential candidate. And like then you just say, oh, well, yeah, it was a mistake. And like everything just goes away and it's fine. And the FBI contacted these social media 
companies. And by the way, you remember the New York Post, their account was locked for weeks, their Twitter account, not just the Hunter scandal, by the way. The entire New York Post Twitter account, New York Post is one of the outspoken newspapers against the Democrats and against Biden, and Twitter locked it for weeks heading into the 2020 election. But then when Trump says the election was rigged, the, you know, the, the media get, gets into a tailspin and says, well, there's no evidence that the media Trump – is, Trump is lying. Trump is fabricating that. No evidence that uh, it was uh, – that, you know, that it was uh, that the election was rigged. But but and now if you question all this other stuff that they tell us about science and the climate and everything else, well, you're the science denier, e- even though we see that they will literally collude and fake s- spread fake news, bury real news and j- literally just to advance their own personal agenda. These people, I mean, we're, we're living in a George Orwell novel. There's no other way to put it. All right. Here's a clip of Joe Biden's COVID, what's his name, Dr. Ja, I, I don't remember, but uh, Ja Hashish or something. But uh, here's Dr. Here's Joe Biden's COVID, the White House COVID. He was asked about the shortage of antibiotics. This is a real issue, by the way. You had the baby, baby formula shortage. Now we have a shortage of, uh, of amoxicillin, which is a very commonly used drug to treat infections in children. There's a shortage of that. There's a shortage now of ibuprofen in some places. And he just downplays the whole thing, acts as though, well, no, this has been going on for decades. Oh, but at least we've got a lot of COVID vaccines. Listen to this stunning clip. Ask about this, this shortage of amoxicillin um, and even ibuprofen in some places. Yeah. What, what do they do about that? Yeah, this is, you know, we have we have some broader supply chain issues with our medications that we've had for decades. I have seen this as a practicing clinician. I often, when I walk into the hospital, find some normal medicine that I'm used to using not available. We have got to continue working on that. We've made a lot of strides in this administration, uh, but our work here is not done. So we have got to continue making sure uh, that these medicines are, are available. I will tell you, the good news is Plenty of vaccines for flu and, and COVID, plenty of treatments for flu and COVID. Those are still out there. We have plenty of those, but we've got to work on the other thing. I mean, again, these clips, this is Orwellian. I mean, oh, yeah, we've had the supply chain issue for decades. For decades, no, we haven't. This is uh, this is Biden. Biden created the supply chain issue. And, and and we know this. We haven't had that for decades. And he's, well, I've walked into hospitals and I couldn't find the drug. Sorry, and his name is Dr. Ashish Jha, by the way. He's a doctor. So he goes into hospitals once in a while. I, I need this drug. I need that drug. Oh, we're out of that drug. Oh, well, there, there, there must be some kind a massive supply chain shortage. No, 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 no. Just because you went into the hospital and that specific hospital or that specific pharmacy or even that specific town for some reason needs to get, you know, get replenished of a certain drug, a certain prescription doesn't mean that there's like a, a nationwide shortage. OK, no, there, you, you, you just I walked into the hospital and there was no amoxicillin. So I guess there's a massive supply chain crisis. It was 20 years ago. So that's nothing new. Yeah, we have to do something. Oh, yeah, we have to do something. I agree. But like, yeah, ibuprofen, amoxicillin, these things have been short. These shortages have been around for decades. Oh, I know because I want went into the hospital and they couldn't find any amoxicillin we checked every single cabinet like are you joking like that that that's your anecdotal personal experience that somehow proves that this supply chain crisis which is biden and Buttigieg's fault has been around for decades it, it, it it's mind-boggling listen to this clip is mind-boggling at the end but we got plenty of covid vaccines yeah you know amoxicillin yeah kids i don't know how we're going to treat street treat strep throat and ear infections in kids but there are tons of covid vaccines there's flu vaccine so let's look at the positive let's look at the bright side those are the real money makers amoxicillin it's generic it's not it's not even patented anymore so there's no drug company making billions off of that but the pfizer covid vaccine tons of those i mean and then how do they blame us for being cynical and for, 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 you know, for, for questioning how these people are literally running our country. This is the White House COVID czar. It, it, it's like amazing. And, and by the way, this same man a few days ago, he said the reason that we have two arms, he literally said this, the reason we have two arms is 
one for the COVID vaccine and one for the flu vaccine. That's why we have two arms. He said this in a White House press briefing. All right. So Biden has lifted sanctions on Venezuela. Okay, Um, And Biden has and maybe one of these days we'll talk about Fauci and Fauci's performance over the last few years dealing with uh, the COVID. I I just don't have, you know, I'm so bent out of shape over the Trump Kanye stuff. I I can't focus on it right now. But uh, Fauci, it's unbelievable. If you look at Fauci's track record, how much of an epic failure he's been. Uh, Biden has lifted sanctions on Venezuela, on Venezuela. President Biden is partnering with Venezuela to drill for oil. Literally, uh, the, the evil dictatorship and, their, and, and, and the terrorist supporters, Venezuela is a very close ally of Iran. Biden has now lifted sanctions. He's given a license to Chevron to do a joint oil venture with Venezuela. So the United States and Venezuela are joining up to drill for oil in Venezuela. And Biden has also, as we know, granted immunity to MBS, the Saudi crown prince, over the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. Biden is literally, he's literally doing business with all these evil terrorist regimes. He's cozying up with terrorists, the Saudis and Venezuela. Why? Because uh, he needs oil. Biden desperately needs more oil and he refuses, you know, he, he refuses to allow more drilling in the United States. In fact, he's, he's cutting down on oil drilling in the United States. I know there's a lot of licenses. I know that, but they're, they're but they can't get a permit. They can't get, there, there are so many roadblocks that Biden put up for these oil companies to drill in the, in the United States. Why? To help the climate. The, the reason for Biden preventing oil drilling in the United States is to help the climate. But Venezuela, no problem. We're going to lift sanctions. I don't care how big an evil dictatorship you are and how much business you do with Iran. And we're going to help the Saudis uh, murder journalists. We're going to allow all of that because we need them to drill for oil. Well, one second. What happened to the climate? Look at the hypocrisy. In the name of helping the climate, Biden is actually – who do you think – uh, who do you think damages the climate more when they drill for oil? The Saudis and the Venezuelans or the United, or, or the companies in the U.S.? The U- U.S. companies, there are so many restrictions. There are so many regulations. The, 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 the United States, its oil drilling, oil production is so much cleaner and so much less harmful to the environment than the Saudis and the Venezuelans. So look at the hypocrisy in the name of helping the climate. And we've seen this so many times. We're going to shut down all these American oil companies. No, you can't. You can't drill for oil because, look, climate change. Look what you're doing. You're destroying the planet. All right, but I'm going to go to the Saudis and I'll go to the Venezuelans and I'm going to basically encourage them to murder people. Oh, and by the way, as a reward for that, we're going to let you drill for oil and do even more damage to the climate. All right. Now, uh, what else is going on over here? Uh, there's an incredible statistic that I saw that uh, 37 percent of the country actually benefits from inflation. This is pretty, pretty astonishing because, you know, Dick Morris came out with this piece of data because a lot of people, their income is tied directly into inflation. We know about Social Security checks. A large chunk of the country, you know, more and more people are, are living longer lives and seniors, their Social Security checks go up due to inflation. So in, in a certain sense, they're actually rooting for inflation, but they certainly don't, you know, they don't suffer because of inflation. And there are many people, a lot of government workers, many, many government workers, millions, who their salaries also are tied into inflation. So 37% of the country, basically, their, their salaries in one way or another are tied into inflation. Maybe some people in the private sector as well. So they're rooting for it. Most of those people are Democrat voters. So it is pretty amazing when you wonder, well, why is Biden not doing more to tackle inflation? Well, actually, it doesn't hurt him very much because some people actually might say, hey, look, I got a bigger check. We know about that whole fiasco with the Biden tweet taking credit for uh, increasing Social Security checks, and he does get credit, but but it's an all backward way. It's because he's so bad that you know he's allowing inflation to be out of control. But you know he has much less incentive to, to to help fight inflation when you have so many Americans who don't care because their checks are just going to go up. And maybe in a certain sense, maybe they're even rooting for it. All right, JetBlue, 
They don't. They won't hire a pilot who's unvaccinated. JetBlue does not hire un, uh, you know pilots not vaccinated for COVID. But they actually hired a convicted felon. They hired a violent criminal to be a pilot. JetBlue. This is according to two sources. Two JetBlue pilots told the Daily Wire that the JetBlue, the airline, they hired this vicious, vicious monster who spent years in jail. Uh, they have no problem making him a pilot. Okay, I, I don't want to scare anybody, but this is terrifying. But if you're not vaccinated, they are not going to let you fly a JetBlue plane. This is they hired this pilot, John Perry's. He served nine years in prison for breaking into the home of a judge and attacking the judge's daughter. Uh, he, he he's he's on felony probation until 2044, according to the Florida Department of Corrections. One pilot said, quote, apparently JetBlue won't hire unvaccinated pilots, but they will hire violent convicted felons to fly their airplanes. In 2005, according to the AP, Paris, who was an Air Force captain, he uh, was charged with burglary and assault with a deadly weapon while wearing a mask. By the way, he was wearing a mask in, in 2005. It wasn't a COVID mask, obviously, but I'm thinking maybe that's why JetBlue hired him. Oh, this man is so conscientious. You know, even when he attacks people in their own homes with a deadly weapon, he's wearing a mask. So he obviously... It, you know, must be a very good person. He entered the home of a judge, beat up the judge's daughter, who was his former fiance, with a metal baton. And uh, he was wearing a bulletproof vest at the time. His vehicle had knives, handcuffs, parachute cord, a shovel and a mask. I mean, it's it's bizarre. The, the, the world is just like so backward, so twisted. And this man was hired by JetBlue. But at least he's vaccinated for COVID. I mean, he knows why he has two arms. Um, a listener sent me an email with some good points about the debacle the disaster on election day uh you know what, what some technical reasons why the republicans are losing these elections so i, I want to just read you some of it, an excerpt here from this email some good points he made uh, he says there are many signs pointing to election fraud in a lot of the close races and the problem is the republicans it became so toxic to accuse democrats of election fraud that now the democrats it was ingenious in a way but it's horrible where the democrats have made it that if you say election fraud you're an election denier and now there's evidence of election fraud on election day now again he's pointing out that election fraud it, it can't be done maybe on a widespread enough scale to, to 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 completely change the outcome of an election if it's not close but the close races the democrats can put over the top using their election fraud tactics. And that is pretty terrifying. So he says, for two years, the Democrats and the media brainwashed Americans. Any claim of election fraud now is undemocratic and you're labeled an election denier. So that strategy works. So now there was election fraud, but the Republicans are too afraid to speak up. So that's a good point. And, uh, you know, he also said the Democrats, uh, uh, they're, they're promoting, er- promoting early voting. This is really interesting. The Democrats, they're all in on early voting. Others have made this point as well. Republicans, they don't they don't promote early voting, but early voting has has clearly benefited the Democrats a lot, you know, because just a lot of people just if they wait until the last minute, they're just not going to get out to vote. So early voting just just what it does is it ensures that a lot more Democrats are going to end up voting versus Republicans. It's just a technicality, but it's such a crucial technicality. Now, early voting is a terrible thing. There should be one day for an election period. There's a reason it was like that for, 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 for hundreds of years. But there isn't. The Democrats brilliantly and it's very sad. I'm not happy about it. You know, they, they made early voting into a thing, mail-in or even early voting in person or whatever. And, and and then they go and promote it and get their voters to do it. Republican voters are sitting there. I'll vote on Election Day. And uh, I don't know if there are numbers to back this up, but, I, you know, I'm I'm pretty certain that it's that it's accurate. And he also pointed out it also helps the election fraud. There's another great point, because uh, with early voting, uh, you know, the, the, there's basically two different pools. If the Democrats make it like these machines in Maricopa County, Arizona, right, if Democrats make it or if somehow these these voting machines have glitches, right, if there are glitches in the voting machines on the day of 
Well, the Republicans are going to lose their vote. They won't wait in line or the vote won't get counted. The Democrats already voted. So it's splitting up the pool. This is a great point. By, by encouraging early voting, a lot of the Democrat voters vote early. A lot of the Republican voters are voting the day of. So if there's a glitch on the day of, on Election Day itself, who's it going to hurt? It's going to hurt the Republicans. And there are a lot of mystery glitches and a lot of other issues that came up. So the Democrats, they split it up. If, if, if there were tons of Republicans doing early voting, the same amount of Democrats, it wouldn't help then if you had these glitches on Election Day itself because, well, that's going to hurt both both parties equally. But because it's split up into two pools, uh, it's actually day day of glitches on the day of. Early voting glitches don't matter because the person will just vote later. But the these mystery glitches and issues that happen on Election Day, those end up hurting the Republicans. So I thought that was a really great point. All right. So much more to get to, but we don't have a lot of time. Uh, the New York City Council, the woke leftist New York City Council, they're about to pass a bill that would forbid landlords from doing criminal background checks on their tenants. This is, uh, again, uh, there are no words. I mean, this is just it's so, so, so disgraceful. Mayor Eric Adams is supportive of this. He says that he would. In other words, a landlord, the city council has support for this. So they haven't done it yet, but it's going to a vote. It's going to a vote in a few days. This 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 woke leftist piece of legislation in New York City would forbid landlords or make it illegal for a landlord to do a background check, a criminal background check. So if you, you want to bring a tenant into your building, right, there are certain houses, single homes or whatever that are exempt. But this, this is going to affect millions of people, uh, millions, you know, and, and, and landlords and tenants because it means you, you can't be safe in your own in your own apartment building. But uh, they, they can't check. Well, is this person a murderer? Is this person a drug dealer? Does, is this person a convicted felon? When they want to, uh, you know, bring in a new tenant, they can't do a routine criminal background check to determine, well, is this person violent? Is this person dangerous? Is, is, has this person c- committed murder? Yeah, and and uh, Adam says, listen. We have to, you know, we have to literally uh, do this. We have to protect the rights of tenants. Just because somebody was a criminal doesn't mean that they can't live somewhere. It's unbelievable. And there was a quote from, I don't know the exact quote, but there was a quote from Adams' spokesman, the spokesman Eric Adams, when he's saying that he's going to support this bill and sign this bill if it gets passed, which it looks like it very possibly will. No guarantee, of course. Uh, this, this spokesman for Eric Adams says, just because someone was engaged with the criminal justice system at one point doesn't mean that they have to suffer for the rest of their lives. Engaged with the criminal justice system. No, no, no. Those are his exact words. Just because somebody in the past was engaged with the criminal justice system. No, I'm sorry. A defense attorney was engaged with the criminal justice system. Somebody who shoplifted, somebody who jaywalked, maybe, maybe we can say they're engaged with the criminal justice system. A convicted murderer, a convicted drug dealer, somebody who attacked somebody else with a knife, a violent criminal, somebody who drove drunk. That is not someone who engaged with the criminal justice system. The bailiff, the bailiff engaged with the criminal justice system. We're actually we're talking about violent felons, ex-convicts, people who were in prison, people who committed vicious, heinous crimes. No, I'm sorry. They have no right to be a tenant and they have no right to just live wherever they want to live and 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 threaten and endanger all those people around them in good in, in nice, good, clean communities. Uh, yeah, those, those mistakes, they're going to have to pay for it. Those mistakes, the mistake that they made when they engaged with the criminal justice system. Okay, when I get a speeding ticket, I engage. Maybe that's not criminal, but, you you know, you, you get my point. That's going to do it on this very busy day, and we will see you next time.